0: We can all relate to the amount of stress we're feeling in recent days. We hear it in the news, in our social media, and in conversations. Pandemic, virus, joblessness, economic crisis, social unrest, our worries are compounded. Oh, Will I contract oh, the Is virus? My child's Is my child my it's country. country? It's a feeling of being at the end of our rope. But God invites us to trust Him. Through these trying times, we can rejoice knowing He has a plan and a purpose in these days. Using this time to better learn to live in faith, we will find peace as He walks alongside us. There is really hope at the end of your rope. Well, hello everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. Thank you for tuning in. Our church is actually doing a survey right now in which uh, we're asking our our members and our guests, would you complete the survey? We want to know when would be the best time to come back to in-person services. You can find it on our church app, on the church website, but we want to hear from you. It'll only take about five or ten minutes, but it is very important. And this is the last day for the survey. So after the service is over, would you complete that survey for us? We would deeply appreciate it. Now, as it applies to us and what is in our control. The single greatest factor that builds lasting, long-term joy and happiness in our life and great success in our life is our character. Our character either makes or breaks our life. That is why our parents put so much time and energy into building our character as we were growing up. The second most important indicator about our deep, joy and happiness and success for our life is our attitude. Our attitude is critically important. Do you want to improve your marriage? Change your attitude. Kids, do you want to have a better relationship with your parents? Change your attitude. Parents, do you want to have a better relationship with your kids? Change your attitude. In fact, every relationship that we can name in our lives, we can improve when we build and deepen our attitude. The truth is, the key to our future happiness is not about our circumstances, it's about our attitude in our circumstances. And that's why our attitude is so important, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. The dashboard that is on an airplane has a gauge that is called the Attitude Indicator. This is a picture of the Attitude Indicator gauge. What happens is is that when the pilot is wanting to fly even and straight, that pilot lines up with the horizon and this gauge helps that pilot do that. And then when she wants to go higher, she simply points the nose of the airplane higher. Or when he wants to descend, he simply points the nose of the airplane to descend, downward. And the very same thing is true about you and I. Where we paint, but where we place or point our attitude determines our future happiness and actually the future success of our life. So what is your attitude like? Are you kind? Are you considerate toward others? Do you think the best about other people are the worst? Have you ever experienced someone who seems to be so sour and so negative about life seemingly all the time? They are exhausting. They are so frustrating. And the truth is, they make us sad because we know their whole life could be changed. The whole trajectory of their future could be altered if they just changed their attitude, and only they can do that. It's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about a message entitled, Attitude That Gives You Altitude, and I want to use a story from the book of Acts in the New Testament, and Acts chapter 16. The first time you read this story or hear this story, it just seems bizarre, But actually, this story helps us to understand this very issue about how do we change the attitude of our life. And so, the very first truth of this story in Acts chapter 16 is simply this truth. God closes one door because he wants to open a better door. Look at what he says in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 8. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. (laughs) While I was reading those three verses, if you were ho-humming or yawning, I wouldn't blame you. Those are not actually the the three uh, most interesting and exciting verses in the Bible, but those three verses are actually saying something that may be happening in your life right now. What was happening to Paul is that he was facing one closed closed door after another closed door after another closed door after another closed door. When Paul had taken his first missionary trip, mission trip, he saw so many of these churches be planted wherever it is that he went. And now in this second trip that he's on, he's wanting to simply go back to these churches and see these people and see how they're doing. But but God kept stopping them and closing doors, closing doors, closing doors, closing doors. And finally, he ends up in a place called Troas, which means nothing to us, except when you look at that place on the map, you discover it is at the edge of the ocean. What I'm saying is, is that Paul keeps having closed door after closed door, and now he is at the end of the rope. He he doesn't know where to go. What do I do next? He must have been so frustrated and so confused. He didn't know what to do next. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, Maybe it's happening right now. Maybe you have faced one closed door after another, after another, and you are at a place right now in your your life that says, I don't know where to go next. I don't know what to do next. But here's what I want you to, to know, and it's this truth, that God closed a door so that God could open another door. Maybe that is happening in your life right now, and I don't want you to give up hope because God is in the midst of this moment in your life. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. It's not wrong to plan. It's right to plan. It would be crazy not to plan. But in the midst of our planning, there has to be this openness in our heart for God to redirect our steps. Why? Because God has a better perspective than we do. God sees what's over the hill. God sees what's around the bend. We can't see that, but God can. And God wants to direct our steps. We can make our plans, but it is God that orders the steps of our life. So when God closes doors, it's not fun. Has God closed doors in my life? Look, I, the last few weeks, I have been in one closed door after another. I know what this feels like. And can I tell you, as I look back over my life, I... The closed doors of my life, I think, has brought initially the greatest sense of pain. But what I want you to know is this, that when God closes a door in your life, don't panic. What seems hurtful today will make sense tomorrow. Sometimes there is a time of darkness before God turns on the light. So what I want to encourage you to do is don't panic in the darkness, because the light is coming. Tony Dungy was uh, a professional NFL football player, and uh, he was good. You can't get into the NFL unless you're crazy good, and Tony Dungy was crazy good. But even though he was, he only had a career that lasted three years, and then he became a coach, and then he got his dream job to be the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The coach of the team that our worship pastor, Tony Price, counts as his favorite team in the entire NFL. And when Tony Dudgy found out that Tony Price loved the Buccaneers, all the more it was his dream job. Now, the last statement wasn't actually true. But Dungie, when he came, did an amazing job. For six years, he was a fantastic coach. The players said it. The front office said it. The news writers said it. Everybody said it. But even though he did a fantastic job, for six years, at the end of the six years, he got fired. And such is the life of head coaches. It is amazing. They just said, well, we needed a change in atmosphere. And they fired him. Tony Dungy is a godly man. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. He loves the Lord. And he's very open about his walk with God. And when he got fired after doing a great job for six years, he did not become bitter. He didn't say one negative word about anybody. He just knew this truth, that when God closes a door, God has a better door he's going to open. And within a matter of a few weeks or months, the Indianapolis Colts, approached him and hired him as their head coach. And he led them to the Super Bowl. And he won, led them to win the Super Bowl that year. And he became a household name to people all over the United States. And every time you would have heard his interviews, because I've heard several of them, he had interviews constantly, he would always talk about his love for God. He would always talk about how much Jesus Christ means in his life. He was so open about his love for Christ. What has made the profound difference in Tony Dungy's life is his faith and his amazing attitude. And I'm here to tell you that that is exactly what God wants to do in your life. All of us, all of us are going through hard times these days. But for some of you, you're going through even harder times. And I'm here to remind you today, God has not forsaken you. God has not quit on you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Stop right there. Not just talking about finances. He's going to help meet our needs, yes. But this is about prospering in all of our life. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. In all four messages of this series thus far, I have quoted this verse. And the reason is because I'm trying to hardwire it into all of our hearts so that we will remember when we are at the end of our rope that there is hope at the end of our rope because that is what that verse is communicating to us. Well, Paul had come to Troas, the end of his rope. And he did not know what was coming next. And then God appeared to him and showed him, I want you to go across this part of the ocean to a town called Philippi. There is a book in the New Testament called the book of Philippians. And Paul wrote that book of Philippians to this people, that the church in Philippi that he led to Christ. So Paul and Silas and all of his buddies that were with him, they got on a boat, they went across, they went to Philippi, and they began to talk to people about Jesus all through that town. And one after another came to know Christ as Savior. It was amazing the impact that was happening. And then there was this young woman that was following them around, and the Bible said that that woman had a demon. She was demon-possessed. Well, Paul turns around and casts the demon out of her. And you would think everybody would be so happy for her and about this, but not the case at all. Because there were people that were making money off of her and the demon possession of her. So they got very angry at Paul and Silas and the other guys with him. And they called for the magistrates and they beat them to the edge of their life and they threw them into prison and put them in chains for one reason. They had rescued a young woman. Here is Paul in the midst of all of that. And God is still at work in his life. There is a second principle that I want you to grab hold of, and it's simply this. Being faithful to God doesn't eliminate difficulties from coming in your life here is Paul he hears I'm supposed to go to Philippi and he goes and what happened to him he is beaten to the edge of his life and thrown into prison do you remember the old cliche that when you are in the middle of the will of God everything just falls into place well sometimes but not every time Sometimes, just like Paul being thrown into prison, sometimes what happens to us in the middle of the will of God, doing exactly what God has let us do, we face problems and struggles and difficulties in our life. Why? Because you and I tend to grow the deepest and the strongest in the midst of our problems. You know what happens to me when things start falling apart around my life? The first thing I always do is I go to God and say, God, have I done anything that has been wrong in your eyes that you are bringing discipline to my life? And every so often he points things out. Man, I, I, I confess those immediately when he does. But there are many times in which I'm going through hurts and heartaches and difficulties. And it's not because I've done anything wrong. It's because God is using this moment right in the middle of the will of God. God is using this moment to grow me stronger and wiser. And it's during these moments that God brings back to my attention this truth. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose for them. That's true about your life. And maybe that is exactly what is going on right now in you. God is growing you stronger and wiser. Let Him. Instead of panicking in the middle of what you're going through and the hurts and the difficulties you're experiencing, trust Him. Let this be a moment that that God grows you and deepens you, and you learn in a fresh new way how to trust Him even more. There's a third principle in the story, and it's simply this. A positive change in our attitude in hard times can result in a powerful impact When God is involved. Well there is Paul and Silas. And and his friends. And they have been thrown into prison. They've been beaten to the edge of their life. And they've been put in chains. So what happens next? Well look at what it says in Acts chapter 16. In verse 25. About midnight Paul and Silas were praying. And singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Yeah, they were listening. They were stunned out of their minds. They could hardly believe it. Here is Paul and Silas, and they have been beaten up, wrongfully treated, in chains. And what are they doing? They are praying out loud to God. They are singing out loud to God. And notice what he says in verse 26. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone in chains came loose. The chains came loose. Here are these guys and they are listening to Paul and Silas and his friends. And not only are the prisoners listening, the the jailer is listening. And not just the jailer, God is listening. And God, through an intervention, a miraculous intervention, sends the earthquake and releases them. Notice what happens next. Verse 27, and the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Stop for just a moment. Why was he going to do this? Well, because in that day, when a jailer lost a prisoner, When a prisoner escaped from prison, the jailer lost his life. It was a rough career, if you ask me. They were super careful. But now all the doors were open, all the chains were let loose, and he knew everybody's going to be gone. And so he was going to kill himself. But Paul shouted out and said, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Circle the word all. Not just Paul and Silas and his buddies. All the other other prisoners are still there. Nobody escaped. Why? I think they were just shocked at the whole thing. I think they literally wanted to see how this whole thing turned out. And all of them stayed. And notice what happens in verse 29. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do? to be saved. Do you realize what this question really is? I've listened after I had beaten you to the edge of your life. I listened and I heard you pray out loud and I heard you praise out loud and I want what you have. I want to know the God that you know. You and I have no idea the impact that we could have in the lives of other people that are watching our lives, and they see what's going on in us. They see the hard times we're going through. And if we responded in a faith and in an attitude that was upward-nosed, trusting God, the impact we could have in the lives of others who are just watching. And maybe we don't even know they're watching us, but they know what's going on in our life and they see how we're responding. The impact you and I could have with an attitude that was willing to trust God and to believe that God would see us through. Paul said to him, Believe, here's how you can know the God I know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And there are many that are listening to me right now. And the truth is, as you're walking through this whole pandemic and all the problems and struggles you're going through, there is this spiritual hunger that God has raised in your heart. There is this awareness, I need God. It's why you're listening today. And God is saying to you, I want you to be my child I want you to come to know me as your personal Lord and Savior. And how do you come to know God? It is through his son, Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And this morning, would you do that? In a few moments when this message is over, and there's going to be a, a, one of our ministers who speaks to you and he's going to explain to you about, about the, the, a virtual sort of next step center where you can talk one-on-one with a minister on our staff about how you can come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior too. Oh, would you pause and and listen to that message and contact us through the, the instructions that are given and talk to one of our ministers how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior too. Yeah, we're going through hard times. And yes, some are going through harder times than others. But God is at work in your life. And though there are closed doors... He's getting ready to open up your door. Would you be willing to trust him? So what does Paul teach us about attitude in this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 16? These four things. First, believe what you believe about God. You already trust him. You already believe in him. Believe what you believe. Be willing to, instead of panicking, step forward and trust him. Be willing to believe that when he closes a door, he's about to open another one, a better door. Believe what you believe about him, that he really is in control and that he loves you and he is intricately involved in your life. That's the first thing that Paul shows us. The second is simply this. Actually praise God in the hard times of your life. Today, spend time in prayer with God and praise him. Tell him how much you love him how much you trust him. Third, see this moment as an opportunity for God to do something powerful in your life. Open your heart to him. And the fourth is this, allow the Lord to fill your heart with peace and wait for him to do what and when in a way only God can do. God has a timing and God has a way And in just the right timing, and just the right way, even if it doesn't seem like the right timing for us, in just the right timing, and just the right way, God's going to meet your need. I know it. Because I've seen him do it in my life so many times. And he will do it for you. Now I want to close with this story. It's a true story. There was a woman who's very talented and very smart. And uh, she was in management in a particular company, and she lost her job, not because of anything she had done, but because of downsizing, and she got laid off. And she lost her job. She had done a great job, and she lost her job. And she reached out, she applied for jobs, and she would always rise to the second or third best, you know, in the top three or four, but she'd never get the job. And this happened time after time. It was so discouraging. She then read about a job in New York City that she thought she could do a good job with. So she applied for it and she got notified after she went through all of the remote uh, interviews and all that sort of thing that she was in the top two. It was between her and, a, and another guy. And both of them were being flown now to this company to have a personal interview with the boss. So she flew into New York City and when she flew into the airport uh, she got a taxicab and the taxicab driver was was very talkative, very friendly. She was too. And so they got in this conversation and, and she was just perky and upbeat. She just really believed God was in the middle of all of this and it would happen the way God wanted it to happen. And she thought maybe this would be the moment. And so she was upbeat and she was talking to the taxi cab driver and, and he, she was explaining that, that she had gotten laid off because of downsizing and all that. And she was coming to interview and there was the job was going to be between her and another guy. And uh, it was gonna be at this company that was in this high rise that he was taking her to. And she was talking about this company that she was gonna be interviewing with. And she even said to him, you know, I've done a lot of research about this company and I'm pretty impressed with them. I, I really think this company has high standards and integrity and I am very excited about the possibility of working for them. And I even did some personal background work on the boss, the person who's interviewing me. I'm really impressed with her. I would love to work for her. Well, they arrive at the buildings, big high rise, all these offices and all these different companies in that building. He lets her out. She pays him, lets her out. And off he goes. She does the interview. They call a cab. It's somebody else that picks her up, takes her to the airport, and off she goes to home. At the end of the day, this taxi cab driver is called back to this same building and a woman gets in to the back seat of his taxi and off he goes and he is a talkative guy and so he just says well how was today and and the woman he picks up says well it was a confusing day and he said why and she said I'm I'm interviewing I interviewed two people today a woman and a man for the same job and for the life of me I can't figure out which one I should give give the job to and the driver said well wait a minute did the woman you interview look like and he described that woman and the woman in the back seat said yes that is her how did you know that and he said this is crazy i picked her up at the airport i brought her to your building earlier today and he said i got to tell you something i liked her she is perky she's upbeat got a great attitude Did you know that she did research on your company and was so impressed about it? She was telling me about how much integrity your company has. She did research on you. She told me about it. She said she had done some research on you and she was so impressed with your character and she was hoping to be able to work for you. And the woman in the back seat said, I cannot believe my ears. She said, you know what? you've convinced me I'm going to hire the woman. And she said, you know what? I am going to tell the woman when I talk to her that the deciding factor was you. Now, I want to ask you a question. I'm serious. This is a true story. What are the chances in New York City of the same taxi cab driver Picking up the first woman for the interview and then coming back and picking up the boss who did the interview. In this giant high rise that has all of these businesses in it, what is the chances? And being so talkative that he would hear the story on both sides and he would speak into the story, what's the chances of that? I'll tell you, it's zero. It might be a minus 99%. It's not a coincidence. I believe with all my heart, it was God interceding in this moment to bless this woman with that job. And here's what I want to say to you. If God can use a taxi cab driver in New York City to bless somebody else, God can use anything to bless you. And all he's asking you to do, would you trust him? Yes, there's closed doors, but he's getting ready to open up a better door for you. And if you would open your heart and believe what you believe, let this be the day that you trust God for a miracle in your life. Let's pray. Father, first of all in our prayer, we remember those who have joined in in this service who do not know Jesus as Savior. And I pray, Father, this would be the day of salvation in their heart. Father, may, may they speak to a member of our staff and talk about their need for Christ and today pray to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray for all of those that are listening who know you and love you and are going through hard times and struggles, and maybe are at the end of their rope that today they would recognize there's hope at the end of this rope, and that you are involved in their life, and you are gonna bless them, and you're gonna help them. Oh God, the second most important indicator of our life for great happiness and joy and success is the attitude of our heart. Oh God, may there be many that are listening to what I'm talking about today, that would make that decision to turn the nose of their airplane up of their attitude and would be willing to trust you and in faith to treat others the way you want us to treat other people. Bless us, we pray, as we seek that deeper, stronger attitude in our heart that attitude of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.